Hi, this is Steve Thompson, and we're continuing along in God's detailed instructions on exactly how the tabernacle was to be made. We're picking up in Exodus chapter 27. Using acacia wood, construct a square altar, seven and a half feet wide, seven and a half feet long, and four and a half feet high. Make horns for each of its four corners so that the horns and altar are all on one piece. Overlay the altar with bronze. Make ash buckets, shovels, basins, meat forks, and fire pans all of bronze. Make a bronze grating for it and attach four bronze rings at its four corners. Install the grating halfway down the side of the altar under the ledge. For carrying the altar, make poles from acacia wood and overlay them with bronze. Insert the poles through the rings on the two sides of the altar. The altar must be hollow, made from planks. Build it just as you were shown on the mountain. Then make the courtyard for the tabernacle, enclosed with curtains made of finely woven linen. On the south side, make the curtains 150 feet long. They will be held up by 20 posts set securely in 20 bronze bases. Hang the curtains with silver hooks and rings. Make the curtains the same on the north side, 150 feet of curtains held up by 20 posts set securely in bronze bases. Hang the curtains with silver hooks and rings. The curtains on the west end of the courtyard will be 75 feet long, supported by 10 posts set into 10 bases. The east end of the courtyard, the front, will also be 70 feet long. The courtyard entrance will be on the east end, flanked by two curtains. The curtain on the right side will be 22 and a half feet long, supported by three posts set into three bases. The curtain on the left side will also be 22 and a half feet long, supported by three posts set into three bases. For the entrance to the courtyard, make a curtain that is 30 feet long. Make it from finely woven linen and decorate it with beautiful embroidery in purple, blue, and scarlet thread. Support it with four posts, each securely set in its own base. All the posts around the courtyard must have silver rings and hooks and bronze bases. So the entire courtyard will be 150 feet long and 75 feet wide. The curtain walls, seven and a half feet high, made from finely woven linen. The bases for the posts will be made of bronze. All the articles used in the rituals of the tabernacle, including all the tent pegs used to support the tabernacle and the courtyard curtains, must be made of bronze. Command the people of Israel to bring you pure oil of pressed olives for the light, to keep the lamps burning continually. The lampstand will stand in the tabernacle in front of the inner curtain that shields the Ark of the Covenant. Aaron and his sons must keep the lamps burning in the Lord's presence all night. This is a permanent law for the people of Israel, and it must be observed from generation to generation. So I have to admit, Ever since I realized that the priests got to eat many of the fatty portions of the burnt offerings that were sacrificed, meaning, in my mind, the tender, marbleized steaks, I usually visualize the altar as one of the biggest, shiniest grills you've ever seen. 
And I wonder if they were allowed to season the meat with maybe some Montreal steak seasoning or something like that. Makes me hungry right now. So clearly, that's not my devotional thought from the Lord today, uh, but neither is the next one. Uh, For the first eight years of Watermark's life, we worshipped at the local high school. We would haul all of our equipment around in three trailers, and Sunday after Sunday, we would back them up to the loading dock and unload everything, transforming the high school cafeteria into a sacred space for worship. And one of the many things we set up to help the room feel different and adjust the space was what we affectionately refer to as pipe and drape. Instead of intricately woven fine linen, beautifully embroidered with luxurious colors of blue, purple, and scarlet, we just went with basic black. So when I think of the Israelites packing up the tabernacle and moving it every time God led them to move, I usually think of them folding all of those curtains, packing them into big plastic totes, and loading them onto camels. Um, And then all of those cumbersome bronze bases and lightweight but probably adjustable aluminum poles. I think I have a slightly distorted picture of what the tabernacle actually looked like. But when I get to the lampstand in this picture, uh, in this reading, in this passage, Um, This very lampstand that Zach described for us back in chapter 25, my mind actually jumps to another passage of scripture, which really shouldn't surprise anyone. I mean, first off, it's really hard to wade through this section of Exodus and find daily inspiration for us English speakers in the 21st century, right? But when we realize, because we have the amazing benefit of hindsight, that basically Everything in this tabernacle is a launching pad and a type or a model of God's ultimate plan, purpose, and rescue in Jesus. Then it just layers on the richness that we can find. So the first passage that my mind wandered to was in Revelation, where in John's vision, he saw seven golden lampstands which clearly draw the reader's mind back to this lampstand in this tabernacle. Yes, there were seven in Revelation instead of one, but that's just a modulation in the imagery to make a wider point. In in this case, that the seven churches being written directly to are now the lampstands. And again, in this vision, Jesus is there in the middle of the lampstands. And at the same time, Jesus is the light on the lampstands. So it's readily apparent that the entire purpose of a lampstand is to hold up the light. Likewise, the entire purpose of the church is to hold up Jesus, the light of the world. And he begs the question to those churches then, as well as to us today, are we serving our purpose? Are we shining Jesus into the darkness? Do the ins and outs of our everyday lives, how we eat, spend our money, work, play, treat people, do those things reflect the light of Jesus? The second passage that my mind wandered off to in Scripture was back in the Old Covenant 
written by the prophet Zechariah. Now, he lived at a time when Israel had been exiled because of their complete failure and refusal to live out their end of the covenant with God. But God was beginning to bring some of those exiles back from captivity to slowly repopulate and rebuild their home country and their hometowns. Zerubbabel was a guy who felt especially called to start rebuilding the temple that had been torn down in Jerusalem. And the temple, remember, was a permanent form of the tabernacle that we're just now building in Exodus. This is what Zechariah had a vision of regarding Zerubbabel. I'm just going to read this passage real quick. Then the angel who had been talking with me returned and woke me as though I had been asleep. What do you see now? He asked. I answered, I see a solid gold lampstand with a bowl of oil on top of it. Around the boil, sorry, around the bowl are seven lamps, each having seven spouts with wicks. And I see two olive trees, one on each side of the bowl. Then I asked the angel, what are these, my Lord? What do they mean? Don't you know? The angel asked. No, my Lord, I replied. Then he said to me, this is what the Lord says to Zerubbabel. It is not by force nor by strength, but by my spirit, says the Lord of heaven's armies. Nothing, not even a mighty mountain, will stand in Zerubbabel's way. It will become a level plain before him. And when Zerubbabel sets the final stone of the temple in place, the people will shout, May God bless it! May God bless it! Then another message came to me from the Lord. Zerubbabel is the one who laid the foundation of this temple, and he will complete it. Then you will know that the Lord of heaven's armies has sent me. Do not despise these small beginnings, for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin, to see the plumb line in Zerubbabel's hand. The seven lampstands represent the eyes of the Lord that search all around the world. So that's out of Zechariah chapter 4. And there's very similar imagery with slightly different meaning for Zechariah than for John. But the emphasis in this passage is on the oil. Zerubbabel would not lay the foundations of the temple with political savvy or military power. It would be by the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of the Lord of Heaven's armies, that would fuel this mission. Which brings me back to Exodus 27, where pure oil from pressed olives is supposed to be on hand at all times so that the light can burn continuously, never snuffed out. If we're going to keep shining the light of Jesus, it has to be because we're completely dependent and constantly fueled by the Holy Spirit. I know we just talked about the Holy Spirit yesterday, but here we are again. Do you think our dad in heaven is wanting to make a point? He sure is driving it home with me. Sometimes I find myself asking some of my kids, when did they become parents? I mean, they don't have kids, but I say this to them. And sometimes they say it sarcastically, like, who died and made you dad? Um, They get the point really quickly. That they're taking on a job that's not theirs to take on. And or they're doing it all on their own without the right source of authority 
and power. So if you're doing life on your own, if you're trying to be a lampstand holding up Jesus on your own, on your own power, pulling yourself up by your own bootstraps, just trying harder, then I'd invite you to stop. And today, lean into the life-giving, never-ending power of the Spirit. And if you want to join me, I'm going to do it the way Paul recommended his brothers and sisters in Ephesus do it. He said this in Ephesians chapter 5, verses 18 through 20. Don't be drunk with wine, because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves and making music to the Lord in your hearts. And give thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. So that's what I'm going to do right now. And maybe that's what God is inviting you to do as well. Holy Spirit, we need you. In the next few moments, as we worship you, sing to you, give thanks to you, listen to the radio to you, fill us again and take the weight of having to do your job off from our shoulders. In Jesus' name I ask it. Amen.